Welcome to the Middle School Water Fountain Podcast with your host, Tyler Daughtry. Hello, and welcome to the Middle School Water Fountain Podcast. My name is Tyler Daughtry, the host for this podcast. This podcast will share stories, experiences, strategies, and lessons from the middle school classroom and environment. Today's episode is about where we have been, where we are, and the future of education as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Before I jump into today's episode, I must first begin with a quick shout out. Podcast PD with hosts AJ Bianco, Christopher Nessie, Stacey Lenz is an education-based podcast discussing current education topics. In a recent episode titled Let's Turn Education Upside Down, they had guests including Bajpa Frankel, host of Overthrowing Education, Jake Miller, host of the Duct Tape Podcast, and Tim Cavey, host of Teachers on Fire Podcast. If you have never checked out these podcasts for education, they are highly recommended. After listening to this episode, I felt it was time to share the journey that our school, district, and state have been on as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. We must first begin with a timeline of what happened as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. In early January 2020, we began hearing about a sickness that was running rampant in an area of China called Wuhan. Personally, like many others, I brushed it it off as just another story in a news cycle, not knowing what would happen in the next few months. Later in January, our country announced the first case of COVID-19. Once again, it was brushed off thinking that COVID-19 was like many sicknesses the United States has overcome, and we would overcome this sickness quickly as well. Over the next month, we continued to have school as usual as cases continued to rise in portions of the country and the world. We then get to the month of March. By the month of March, North Carolina has officially had COVID-19 cases. No longer could we brush this sickness off as another sickness. What would happen over the next few weeks is something no educator has ever seen before. We had gotten word from leadership in our state and district level that we were going to have to change everything in regards to sanitation, including taking our kids to the bathroom, how we clean lunch tables, and classroom furniture. This new cleaning method would not last long because the very next week we were informed that all interscholastic events would be postponed or canceled. As an assistant baseball coach, the very same day we had a team meeting and had to inform our kids that the season would be postponed through early April. This meant no practice, no games, nothing for a month. We thought at this time that these were the only events that would be canceled until we heard our leadership at the state level announce a few days later, that the school would be canceled for two weeks. Roughly 10 days after the announcement, the decision came to extend school closings to what would eventually be the remainder of the year. 
Luckily for me, my family owns a grocery store in our hometown, which is very important in our community, especially during this current pandemic. We are considered an essential job. My father, the owner, has needed all hands on deck to work at the store, including me. On March 13th, the day that school closed, I immediately left school and went to my dad's grocery store, and I have been there ever since. My role has been to wake up before the sun rises, go help restock shelves, and then go home and teach school mid-morning into the afternoon and do it all over again on a daily basis. I am usually at the school on a regular year from June to June teaching and coaching three sports, which means I rarely have any time off. Being out of school this long is probably the longest I have ever been out of school consecutively. Without both jobs, I, like many other teachers and students, would be extremely anxious right now. During this process of closing schools, we had to begin by determining our current remote learning environment. We called many parents to check on our students and make sure they were okay and had the means to transition to remote learning. We also packed out, passed out packets and devices at the school to pick up if any student needed one. After the initial shock of being out of school for the remainder of the year, we now had to adjust to the new normal of remote learning. The new normal has been virtual meetings twice a week, oftentimes more than that, as well as a 10-day plan of digital work for students to complete. In my classroom, I do a pre-recorded video a day explaining the work or information for the specific day for students to watch so they will understand what they are supposed to do for that day. We will approach remote learning for the remainder of the school year in this manner explained previously. As we begin to inch closer to the end of the school year, we have time to reflect on remote learning going forward into the coming school year. We do not know what education will look like going forward in the coming months, days, or years, and how different it will truly become. One thing, one thing this remote learning experience has allowed me to do is time to reflect on what education could truly look like going forward. The remainder of this episode is some of the changes going forward on what education could look like post-remote learning. Some of these ideas are radical ideas, but they are outside the box and unconventional, but they are ideas. I think we could truly change education as we know it due to this remote learning opportunity. Each of these ideas are outside the box, but they are unique in their own way. Idea number one. The two worst things that I do not like hearing in education is when teachers or education leaders say, because education, because it is the way it has always been done, and do not fly the plane while you're building it when it comes to an idea in education. A phrase I heard from Podcast PD was this, 
Why do we want to go back to the old rotary phone technology, the old way of classroom rotary phone method, when there is this new innovative piece of technology called a smartphone method over here? Think of this analogy and how it can relate to education. We must not go back to the rotary phone method of education when we have tried the smartphone method, which is a new and improved method with a few bells and whistles that evolve over time. The smartphone didn't just pop up with smartphone 11. It started with the very basic smartphone and would evolve over time. Think of what this could, what could transpire with the education. The remote learning could lead to education evolving over time with a few bells and whistles added. Idea number two. In our area, we have hurricanes. They come off, off the Atlantic or they come off from Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina across the East Coast. When these hurricanes happen, students oftentimes miss days at a time. These days have to be made up. Oftentimes they are made up at spring break, on work days, or at the end of the school year, when the school year is basically over. Think about this scenario, though. When a hurricane happens, or a snow day for the northeast or different parts of the country, if the damage isn't bad and the students have access to technology and have connection access, it could change the way that makeup days are done. Students could not be charged with making up these days because going forward, a potential idea is when a when hurricane days happen or when um, snow days happen, teachers could give lessons pre-recorded or through Zoom or through Google Meet if the technology holds out, and students could do the work if they are capable or have access to the safety of it, um, and if they show documentation of it, maybe this is the idea going forward where although students aren't in the school, they aren't losing time because they're still learning outside of school. And now they don't have to necessarily make up the days. It's an outside-the-box idea, but it, it's an idea going forward to fix that issue. Another major outside-the-box idea is when it comes to technology use in the classroom. The new question may be, what is the reason for using technology in your classroom now? Your why must stay relevant through the process. It must resonate with students and must allow for autonomy to exist. Teachers are now able to explore Zoom, Google Meet, and the vast amount of resources available out on the wide world of web. If they don't like these resources and they don't serve the purpose that they are trying to use them for, they don't have to stay with them during this COVID-19 pandemic. They can try something new. If they don't like Zoom, they could try Google Meet. If they don't like Google Meet, they can try Loom or Zoom. 
and they can they can try it. This remote learning opportunity should be all the buy-in teachers need to begin implementing more technology in their classroom. Now, some teachers in say, well, I just don't have the awful time word. This remote learning opportunity has allowed teachers to explore their horizons. Now, I understand the idea that technology isn't available in some schools or some districts. It will come, hopefully, based on what we have experienced over the last few months. The next major one is probably the number one change that needs to be made. It is the role of assessments in education. The major question that has been that I have brought up and that ha- that I have heard the most is how do we rethink assessments during this remote learning opportunity? Or how do we re- rethink assessments when we go back into classroom as a result of the remote learning opportunity? What is going to happen to tests and quizzes? Um, and in my personal belief, as a result of remote learning, we cannot do it like the rotary phone method of assessing students anymore like we have. We cannot give them a quiz or a test on a Friday and test them on it anymore. Uh, we can here and there, but it cannot become a weekly thing. I see potentially an opportunity for great authentic learning opportunities to be shown as a result of the remote learning and the COVID-19 pandemic. In my classroom, prior to remote learning, I had gone almost completely away from quizzes and tests. I have implemented such ideas as problem-based learning or project-based learning opportunities, which you will hear extensively within future episodes. Flipgrids. Flipgrids have been very valuable in remote learning. It allows us to post a question, students respond, and it's been very valuable to see if what they're learning. Choice boards, tic-tac-toe boards, um, playlists and pathways. Uh, one of my teachers that I've talked with who teaches on the same hall as me in the past stands by playlist pathways and personalized learning. And she incorporates check-ins within it as forms of assessing her students. When it comes to testing, it is time to start rethinking it. Because of this remote learning, we must rethink the way that assessments have been done in the past. We, know, we must not go to the rotary method, the traditional way. We must move forward to the smartphone method with a few bells and whistles to show, to allow students to show their learning in new alternative methods. And it would also allow 
opportunities for teachers to document it in new opportunities that we've never thought of before. Um, portfolios could come back um, in new alternative ways that we just haven't thought of before. We cannot go back to the old way of testing. We must pave a new path forward when it comes to testing. Number, The next one goes hand-in-hand hand with assessments. One kind of comes with the other. We must no longer do horizontal sharing where kids can learn from each other. We must do more of it. In the past with the traditional method, it's been very vertical sharing where teachers give, 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 and students take and then do stuff with it. With remote learning, it could transition classrooms into a new method where horizontal sharing is existing, where teachers are no longer at the front, they are more the guide. Such resources including Padlet, Flipgrid, Google Classroom, although Google Classroom is Google Classroom isn't really there yet, but it's coming. Um, you have to work a little bit on it. Seesaw, blogging, and yes, what you're listening to right now, podcasts are great opportunities for students and even teachers to interact with each other and peer review each other's work. Potentially, we could see ideas including personalized learning opportunities and more group-based learning tasks where students are guiding each other or are working together and on an individual task and then giving feedback to each other. And we teach them how to review and guide each other in a productive way. The next major change could be all about meetings. Now, you ask many teachers, they're not fans of meetings, especially after school meetings. So, potentially going forward, many meetings could become virtually. Our leadership at our school is one of the best I've ever worked with or worked for. They're the best of the best. I will put our leadership at our school up against anybody. And what they have done at our school during the remote learning opportunity is once or twice a week, we have virtual meetings. And these virtual meetings are attended by every member of staff or every staff member. And our wonderful leadership in our school goes over every important announcement that happens. But it could go even further after COVID-19. PTA meetings, any acronym, AIG, MTSS, SIT team. Think about it, guys. You have a sick child or you have a meeting in another, in another um, town or another city or in another state that's professional development based. And you can't attend two meetings at the same time. Well, now you can because if you do like sit teams virtually um, and you're not in attendance, you can be there and still listen and still interact in the sit team. Just do it virtually. Um, one of the major issues that many schools and many teachers have and many parents 
is parent-teacher student conferences. See, we have such a large school at the school I teach at that it's hard to get all the parents in. Well, with the remote learning, parents and teachers can now do virtually Zoom meetings or parent-teacher meetings through Zoom or through Google Meet. And it allows for more formal, more informal conversations to occur and allows teachers to easily share their screen and not have to be in front of a projector or in front of a big piece of technology. They can just do it right on their screen in their on their personal computer. They can do it at home. They can do it in the classroom. They can do it in their office. And it allows for more flexibility when it comes to parent-teacher-student conferences. Going forward, I could even see uh, IEP, AIG, paperwork signing, anything like that could exist within this virtual meeting. Field trips, um, band fundraisers, fundraisers for the school, sport events, sporting events, football going forward, spring sport, I mean, fall sports going forward. Um, who knows what's going to happen with that? You can still have those events and do it virtually um, where the teams are still playing, the umpires, referees are still calling the games, the coaches are still coaching, but there's no fans in attendance and do it all virtually. It allows for those opportunities to exist. The next option is more flexible scheduling, especially in your secondary schools, middle school and even high school. Due to remote learning, the when and the where could completely be altered. As a result of remote learning, distance learning is going to become so rich, the sky is going to be the limit from what has just happened as a result of this pandemic when it comes to distance learning. Now, I've heard from parents and I've heard from other teachers and students that they are missing the social piece. Now, in my classroom, I allow the freedom for students to talk as long as they're getting their work done. In the remote learning opportunity, especially at our virtual meetings, we are still allowing conversations to occur, but many of our students are saying, hey, we're more productive now than ever before because we're not having to worry about that extra conversation, those extra instructions. We can just lock down get our work done, and not have to worry about those outside factors. Um, I could see an A-day, B-day idea where some students come in, get the material, and then go home, especially for your, your high school kids. That could be really valuable. Um, maybe even a get all your work done and then have a study hall idea, or a genius hour, or a makerspace. All these great ideas could happen as a result of scheduling, remediation, acceleration. Great ideas, but they just haven't been implemented because of time and because of scheduling issues and because of numbers. But the remote learning opportunity has allowed this reflection and allowed this time to really see what could potentially happen. Now, one of the critiques that teachers have started voicing is how do we keep 
some of the past, some of the rotary phone method that has been working so well in the past for some teachers and keep and merge it with some of the new, some of the smartphone method. Well, it starts at the top. What we teach and when we teach it is decided at the top. It may honestly become a hybrid approach. Like I said earlier, it may become a select time where face-to-face meetings occur, and it may be a more times than not time for independent learning and when teachers are more of a guide. Unfortunately, in the United States, there's so much red tape when it comes to education. If we're going to get through many of these ideas that are being proposed through podcasts and through blogs and through education leaders, innovative education leaders, we've got across the, the red tape. So much is measured primarily by seat time. In our state, it's all about 180 days plus. It's all about that minimum number of hours. I hate to say this, but if we're measuring seat time, we're measuring the wrong way for students. It's all about what have we learned. We have probably learned during the remote learning opportunity that students are learning in different spots, different paces, different time. Some students can get work done in 10 minutes and get it done at a high quality. Some students, it takes 30 minutes. Some students, it takes 45 to an hour. All three cases are fine. They're all doing quality work. We must understand truly that each student is going to work at their own pace. It is something that we definitely need to reflect on going forward. It's how do we track and how do we guide these students who are taking different times through the education process. Are we moving kids forward that are only taking 10 minutes? How are we helping these kids who are taking a little bit longer? The next potential radical outside-the-box change is could separate subjects potentially go away? It could lead to autonomy to how students are learning. Think about this proposal. The subject I teach is 6th grade social studies. I was thinking earlier, one of the major topics that we teach is the civilization of Egypt. One of the major topics that we're talking about in Egypt is the role that the pyramids play in Egyptian civilizations. Well, think about if we had classes that merged topics together. So students, you talk about the history of the pyramids, how they were built, you involve the pharaohs, you talk about the people, all the different variables with that. Math, you talk about the slope, you talk about the different sizes of the pyramid, you bring in formulas, you bring in the shape, you bring in geometry, think about what you could bring in. Language arts. Reworks, Freckle, all these great reading language arts websites have great resources and great articles on pyramids 
and the role that the pyramid plays in Egyptian lifestyle. Think about it in science. STEM. STEM is incredibly important in the world in education today. Science can build it. Science can talk about the soul, the earth, the world. There are so many variables that all these different subjects could teach. And even within science, you could talk about all these different topics within every subject. Math, same way. Language arts, same way. And it could lead to separate subjects going completely away. And we evolve into one major subject where it's very interdisciplinary. And teachers are highly qualified in all these subjects. And it causes students to choose their own paths and go many different directions. Because things oftentimes go from the top down, we must follow the top lead. Corporations such as Apple, Microsoft, and Google have taken their businesses all online and their meetings virtually online. Oftentimes with education, it stops. It starts with a teacher getting out on a ledge and trying an innovative idea. If one teacher doesn't, or if one school doesn't step out on a ledge and try one of these innovative ideas, we just continue to go on the uh, on the analog phone idea, and we continue to do it the same way we've always done it. It may help take out the con curriculum as we know it. The final outside the box idea that remote learning has truly exposed is the issues with professional development. In the past, prior to COVID-19, professional development has been a top-down approach. Oftentimes, the presenter of the professional development presents a topic and the attendees have to take it and see if it works or if it does not work. In the future, due to remote learning uncovering the issues with professional development, educators could begin to choose their why and choose their professional development that best fits their classroom. We can guide teachers in methods to help them choose their topics. Oftentimes, the best professional development that I've ever gone to is when we dive into the topic in a hands-on manner. One of my favorite professional development opportunities in the world today is ed camps. If you've never heard of an ed camp, you are truly missing out on something awesome. What an ed camp does is it brings teachers from a school, district, state, nation, or world into a building or an environment. The morning or when the event starts, teachers write down their ideas on sticky notes or on a virtual notepad idea. They then are posted to a board where the organizers of the Ev camp fit them in categories. Based on these categories, you go to rooms for different time slots. 
within these rooms, you are with teachers that are a part of that ed camp. Oftentimes, you probably don't know any or very few teachers in that room. In that session, you discuss in a brainstorming format ideas based on the topic that the session has. Oftentimes, there are questions that are asked and you brainstorm based on other teachers. Often I have heard from teachers, including myself, say the best professional development is when you talk to other teachers. Ed camps allow this. But what I have not seen, or I have seen it very few, very rarely, is ed camps in schools. Think about a professional development opportunity when a school on a work day could have an ed camp. When teachers could come together and could talk and discuss true issues that relate in their classroom. Classroom management, technology, standards that you have to teach. How do you teach certain curriculum? Um, MTSS, AIG, EC, um, all these different topics. Genius Hour, great topics. Um, and they actually, we actually talk about them and discuss them because potentially you could bring new ideas back from this ed camp and immediately use them in your classroom and know if they work or not work. And you would have a teacher who's at the school already that's probably tried the idea as well. The other idea is, is an idea that I hadn't heard of prior to Podcast PD episode a few, few days, weeks ago. Um, and then I had to research it just so I knew it. Uh, it's basically a teacher-based short tank idea. Think about it. Shark Tank is, is a TV show on uh, cable right now, and it's been on for years. Educators have great ideas. They go to a professional development session, and they see an idea, and they try it out. Or there's a strategy that they're trying out in their classroom, and then they present it to a Shark Tank format. Or here's a even a more innovative idea. The short tank committee could be administrators, could be teachers, could be leadership, could be parents, could be students. They present every teacher with a scenario. Come up with a new strategy to deal with this situation in the classroom. Come up with this way of assessing students that's very different. And then every teacher in groups or individually, presents it to the short tank idea. And then there's a competition or there's a there's a judging or there's a um, observation period 
It could change how observations are being done. It could change um, even there may be some incentive-based grant money even idea that could be out there. Um, Those are just great outside-the-box ideas that have been thought of because of this remote learning. Um, as we wrap up, I know these are innovative ideas and radical strategies and outside the box, but if one teacher or one class or one school is not willing to step out of the ledge, we're going to continue to have the analog phone classroom approach happening the way it's always been, the way it's always done, instead of the smartphone with the bells and whistles new idea. If we could somehow merge it, that would be awesome until we get to the smartphone new bell and whistle idea. With these new strategies, it allows us to alter education as we know it, and it could potentially change education for years to come. I thank you, and I hope you join us for more episodes on strategies, history, resources, and stories from the Middle School Water Fountain. Until the next episode, we leave you with living the dream because the choice is always yours. Any ideas or opinions shared are my own and they do not represent my school or district in any way.